Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are starting the year off on a mixed note. Tokyo is down a quarter percent in early trade. Sydney up one-third of a percent. Seoul opening late today while the futures markets are pointing to a higher opening for the Hang Seng over in Hong Kong. Ryan Huang is on leave today. Joining me now to break down all the market action, the legend himself, the author of the Dividend Titan Finance blog. Happy New Year, Willie King. Happy New Year to you, Michelle. Good to have you with us. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start the special New Year edition of Market View right here in Singapore with a view of local markets. Now, if we go back for a moment to the beginning of 2023, the Straits Times Index started off the year at 32.45. Fast forward 12 months and despite some ups and downs, the blue chip clocked out almost right where it started, right down a fraction of a percent at about 32.40. Now, that may not seem too bad, certainly better than Hong Kong and China markets, but Singapore stocks significantly underperformed when you compare with US markets or even other Asian markets. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, if you see, Michelle, the Singapore market is really driven by two big sectors. Number one, you have your financials and number two, you also have your REITs. And of course, you also have another portion where it's your conglomerates, which also make up you know, your properties, your utility companies. And if you see how it has fed, Michelle, I think a lot of it was coming from number one, your Singapore REITs, which hasn't really done too well because of higher interest rates. And that was that actually pulled the performance for the, the STI index or the, the broader Singapore market as a whole. Um, and that also, you know, sort of dragged that performance. But on the other hand, you also have the Singapore banks, which um, are one big driver of the STI index. So your DBS, OCBC and UOB, even though interest rates have sort of crept higher last year, but markets uh, were also expecting that interest rate could actually fall. And at the same time, uh, if you see the Singapore banks, um, the, the profit margins have sort of started to get tighter. Number one, because deposit rates have sort of started to catch up. And that also slowed down the profit growth or the profitability of the banks. And markets weren't too happy with it. And that's why if you see from the charts, for example, DBS hasn't really performed too well over the whole of 2023. And that also sort of contributed to the underperformance of the Singapore market versus, say, your red hot US markets and other emerging markets as well. Mm. Singapore's economy grew 1.2% last year and that might be a reason as well that local stocks did not perform better. Looking ahead, the government says it might now grow as fast as 3% in the year ahead or that economic growth could slow to just 1%. Quite a range there. There are currently a lot of variables to consider, including the state of the economy in Singapore's largest trading partners, that's China, the US and Malaysia. What is your overall take on Singapore stocks? Really? Mm. I'm always an optimistic investor when it comes to the local stock market. And I think that it will actually start to recover from last year. I mean, if you see, um, you know, coming from Singapore markets where it's really driven also by properties, um, you have seen how Singaporeans have sort of rebounded from the late of last year. It was up about 12 to 15%. Mm. And I felt that this momentum could continue on the fact that, you know, number one, um, the Fed could actually potentially hold on to rates mm. right now. It might, or, it might or might not go lower from here on, but uh, this also allows, for example, your distribution per unit or your DPU or your rental rates, you know, st- start to actually climb up and sort of adjust according to the interest costs which they are paying. So this could actually bring some good news 
for the Singapore market, for Singapore stocks, and particularly for our landlords here in Singapore. So I think um, there could be some uh, recovery here. And at the same time, I mean, if you see for banks, um, don't forget for Singapore banks, you know, it's not just higher interest rates which are driving the performance of financial institutions. You also have one other big driver which mm. are able to grow organically, which is being able to grow their loan book. So um, with the economy starting to sort of pick up, you know, you have also the banks um, trying also to expand their loan book, for example. And this could also increase the asset size. It could also increase um, the profits coming into 2024. So I think I'm pretty much optimistic, Michelle, for the market this year. All right. We like the sound of that, Willie. While the SDI essentially finished flat in 2023, there was quite a bit of divergence between locally listed stocks, with some registering double-digit gains, others suffering bear market size losses. I want to take a closer look at specific stocks because that's what the show is all about. Let's start with some of last year's worst performers. Three of the STI's worst performing constituents are members of the Jardine family of companies. Hong Kong Land fell 24%. DFI Retail, Jardine Matheson, they both dropped about 20% or more. So when you look at the Jardines going forward, what is your take? Do you think they stand a chance of rallying in 2024? Yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, just to give a backdrop of Jardine Matheson, uh, Jardine Holdings or the conglomerate. You know, they are once uh, by the Questwick family and they have a history which spans out back in Hong Kong itself. So, I mean, with everyone treating China and Hong Kong like a very hairy eight-legged creature and everyone's just <laughs> running away from it, I think Jardin is also sort of pulled in, sort of mired into that whole mud or whole, whole fiasco. I think people just don't really like to touch anything which is related to Hong Kong. So that's one. And on top of that, um, you have the Jardin group also, you know, you have, um, they, they own like, the properties, Hong Kong land, for example, which uh, has, have exposure to properties, office properties in uh, central Hong Kong. So that could also be impacting share price performance uh, for Hong Kong land, which is linked to the Jardins family. Mm. And of course, uh, you have your DFI retail, your dairy farm international and your Jardin medicine, which also have been pulled down as well. But of course, you know, um, macroeconomic events or, you know, top-down views aside, from a bottom-up approach, if you look at it from an individual uh, stock point of view, like, you know, alluding to what you mentioned, Michelle, coming on stock picking here, mm. uh, DFI, you know, has also, you know, been under very strong comp- competitive pressure despite them being in the uh, retail or grocery market because you are still ne- nevertheless competing uh, from a bottom-up approach with other grocery stores. And in, in Singapore, you know, I read the book which you have recommended last year on the price <laughs> of being fair, on NTC fair price. You see, the competition is pretty strong in in Singapore, and when and when it comes to retail markets, you know, operating costs are going up, rental rates are climbing higher. I mean, if you see Singapore rates, they are charging um, tenants much higher rent, and at the same time, you have also labor costs going up. I mean, if you see uh, recently, the news have also mentioned that real wages or labor wages might potentially go up this year, despite mm. a fall in inflation. So this could also add on some pressure to retail chains or grocers, especially like DFI, which owns your cold storage, for example. Mm-hmm. So this could actually be one contribution factor and of course you know your Jardine Medicine which is also a conglomerate from the Jardines group um, this could also put down because I guess the markets just don't like 
complex structure in conglomerates. And when it comes to a sell-off in a market, the first ones to go, number one, you have your penny stocks or your small cap stocks. Number two, you have some of your glamour stocks, which could be your very high growth stocks. And lastly, it could be your very complex conglomerates, which have very um, intricate, complex structures, which the market doesn't like. And it was the first one to go in a broad-based market sell-off. So this could be a you know a, a poor performance with some of these stocks um, from the Jardine's companies. In addition to the Jardine companies, blue chip stocks that suffered double-digit losses last year include Taibev fell 23%, Venture Corp dropped 20%, City Development, Citrium, Wilma International and Capital Land Investments. So quite a list. And going forward, I think investors are going to be assessing whether they think these stocks now offer good value or if they expect them to continue to languish. On the flip side of the table, one stock outperformed every other Singapore blue chip by a very large margin. It is in the energy business, both renewables and natural gas. Now, if you follow the business pages closely, you'll see that this Singapore company recently won a solar project in India, as well as here in Singapore with JTC. It also has a green hydrogen division that has inked deals in Japan. Have you figured out who it is yet? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I know you have <laughs> because you have the answer key. But yeah, Semcorp Industries, everybody, if you play along at home, you are correct. Semcorp Industries shares surge 57% in 2023. Willie's roaring and ready to go. So tell us if you think the, this company can continue to build on its strong performance, Semcorp Industry. Roaring, yes, ready to go. No, Michelle. Oh. I'm pulling out my head because this is one of the stocks which I've really missed out for last year. And I'm, you know, you can just imagine right now, I'm just stomping my foot <laughs> on the ground. I mean, Semcorp has done really well. Like what you have mentioned, it was up close to 60% for 2023. And that was after, you know, it started to spin off its uh, offshore marine business uh, to, towards with Capital Corp itself into that JV. So this sort of frees up a lot of capital for Semcorp Industries and it sort of puts away the past, you know, in mainly the oil and gas business. It had before. So the market have sort of relieved that burden and, you know, from being disappointed, being upset about the business, it has sort of, the market has sort of turned, you know, or recovered from that that whole bad news back, back then and now they, they are sort of looking forward into it, especially at a time where you're looking at oil prices uh, potentially continue to climb back up. So this could be a big driver for Samcorp Industries. I mean, if you see, um, for the last 15 years, Samcorp Industries, most of its business have been driven by oil and gas prices uh, when Oil, when oil prices were high back in twenty before twenty thirteen, um, it had actually picked uh, his share price have picked close to about five dollars, even hitting uh, more than five dollars at one point, um, and then after they dropped close to about less than a dollar, you know, over the last few years, and since it has also recovered, and most of the the performance which is coming out from Samcorp Industries is really coming from its utilities business, um, energy business, which it has sort of reorganized itself. And I think a lot of people, investors, they are sort of being optimistic here. Number one, um, it's an infra- I guess it's an infrastructure play. So it's very different from your typical financial institutions, your financial sector, or your very bread and butter properties here. So Samcorp Industries sort of offers a very different colour or perspective when it comes to the Singapore market, uh, investing in the Singapore market. I mean, there's, you know, a limited range of sectors and Samcorp Industries is probably one of them. I guess that's why 2023 performance was a, was a roaring 
uh, rally. Yeah, let's take a closer look at Semcorp Industry share price. The gains were made during the first eight months of the year, most of them. Its share price peaked above $6 back in August. It's fallen about 13% since then. Now, that said, Semcorp Industry shares rallied about 4% during the last week of 2023. So, stay tuned. We'll see what 2024 has in store for the stock. You heard it here on Your Money. Stay with me. Let's turn now from Singapore to one of 2023's best performing global markets. And I have to say, this stock market is located in a country that many of us Singaporeans love to visit, and its food culture really has made an impact on Singaporeans. I I know, I know, I love it. Lots of people do. Listeners, do you know the answer? Apparently, people are skiing there a lot recently as well. It's a new flex, you know. I went skiing in Japan, apparently. It's a new way to flex. I hear, I don't know, not me, I don't ski. Uh, so, fill them in. So, this market <laughs> is... One and only way, yes, clean food, sushi, Japan. And this has been, like what you say, Michelle, the best performing market in Asia in 2023. And, you know, it has, I think it, it has actually reached close to its 1918s high. And you can see how the, the Nikkei has performed really well back um, last year, really driven um, by two things. Number one, um, there could be a potential shift in its monetary policy where Japan might actually see a whiff of high inflation mm. in the country itself. So that's one. And number two, um, a lot of the companies or the corporates, they seem to be deleveraging or trying to uh, decompose complexify their corporate structure. So they are actually making their complex uh, their corporate structure much more palatable for investors, meaning trying to sell down some of their subsidiaries, uh, trying to deleverage some of these companies. And this also allows um, investors or global investors to be able to pry open some of these businesses. Because if you see um, back in the 1980s, um, 1980s, late 1980s, a lot of these um, companies Financial institutions, for example, especially in Japan, they have been buying up a lot of different businesses, banks buying up companies in different sectors. And this actually have led to different complex structures. Uh, and that could was a big hindrance, especially when the bubble burst in the 1980s. But if you see, right, uh, mm. number one, um, financial valuations or ratios have actually gotten pretty cheap um, in recent times. Uh, the stock market has sort of rallied because of that. And at the same time, um, you have Japanese companies trying to deleverage as well. That means trying to reduce the amount of debt they have on their balance sheet. Mm. And at the same time, because the yen is cheap, borrowing cost is cheap for the Japanese market, many of these local companies, what they do is they borrow in the cheap yen and then they invest uh, elsewhere where the interest rates are much higher. Because last year where you have much higher interest rates, Japanese companies will probably be thinking, hey, I'm going to invest elsewhere because I'm getting a much higher uh, bang for my buck. So I can borrow from the government at a cheap cost and invest in high returns. And I guess this is probably what's driving um, the performance of the Japanese market. And in this case, um, the, the Nikkei has sort of fed pretty well so far. Yeah, Japan's Nikkei index soared 28% over the past year, even hit a 33-year high in US dollar or Sing dollar terms. Now, those gains tempered a little by the yen's weakness. The yen depreciated about 7% against the greenback over the past 12 months. Of course, the yen's drop makes... Japanese exports and travel to Japan, that much more attractive for traditional custom consumers, I should say. So what are the chances that Japanese stocks will continue to um, add to their gains in the year ahead? So I think it really depends on the sectors which you are looking at. For me, what I'm personally looking for Japanese stocks, number one, it has to be have to have some form of uh, pricing power in this case, in able to in order, if let's say if inflation continues to continue here for Japan, they must have some form of pricing power, uh, being able to control their costs, and at the same time for Japanese company especially, I will take a look at their balance sheet. That 
means they have to have a uh, flurry of cash at the same time be able to control their debt. So what I will be looking for are companies, you know, in your transport company, for example, JR Railway uh, companies, say, say for example, which has got to do with consumers or retail re- related like Muji mm. is also one of them as well. Uh, these are some of the businesses I will actually look at. So it's a bit different from how Warren Buffett is going in on commodities, uh, sorry, on trading houses. For me, I take on a very different approach because I want to be looking at something simple. And, you know, like what you said, Michelle, Singaporeans, oh, we love to travel to Japan. So as long as people are willing to take... Uh, you know, fork out their money from their wallets and pay um, in the country itself. I think businesses or sectors which take advantage of this, I think it would, I guess, would be fairly, would do fairly well in 2024. Yeah, with all that healthy spending on the ground. Let's bring the conversation to the world's largest economy now, the United States. The tech stocks outperformed, but they were hardly the only blue chips to make gains. The Nasdaq surged more than 40% over the past year. S&P 500 jumped nearly 25% and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, as well as a small cap, uh, Russell 200. Index recorded gains of about 14 to 15 percent. If you had asked analysts a year ago whether they expected U.S. stocks to fare so well, very few said yes. In fact, many observers were expecting the U.S. to slide into the recession. That was a big narrative at the start of last year, right? And that certainly did not happen either. I think the question that's on a lot of investors' minds as we kick off 2024 is this one Does the U.S. rally have legs or is this a bubble waiting to pop? What do you think? Well, for me, I think it all really depends on whether companies are able to actually comfortably refinance with the elevated interest rates which we are seeing right now. So I'm not just talking about the commercial or office spaces in the US, but I'm talking about companies which have been borrowing at very cheap costs over the last 15 years. And a lot of them, um, they are also due for refinance refinancing at least for this year and next year. So when I'm talking about bubble popping, Michelle, I think it's a lot about whether these guys or these companies, you know, um, smaller companies which are driving most of the economy are able to say, okay, I'm going to be able to refinance at say 5% plus interest rates. Assuming that the Fed doesn't lower its interest rates. That means you actually have to refinance at 5%, which is actually much more than what it was, you know, back then, over the last 15 years where it was at close to 0% interest rate. So you can imagine. I mean, if you see back in 2020 or 2021, a lot of what you call the high-growth glamour stocks or tech stocks, right, where they mm. might not have um, profits, but they have been borrowing very aggressively, taking advantage of the low borrowing costs. A lot of them, they have sort of um, died down and because they are not able to actually borrow at a much higher borrowing cost, number one. Um, they do not have that kind of profitability or uh, free cash flow to be able to sustain or meet with a much higher borrowing cost. So I guess when it comes to bubble popping, I think what's the key driver or what I will be looking out for is the ability for companies to refine finance themselves in the U.S. Absolutely fantastic, scintillating overview. Willie is my guest this morning. He is the dividend titan, Willie King. Uh, some analysts say U.S. stocks are more overvalued now, Willie, than at almost any other time in U.S. history. That doesn't mean that they don't have more room to run, particularly if, you know, the U.S. economy continues to grow and the AI boom continues as well. Let's bring the conversation to this week's trade. Now, what is on your radar for the week ahead? Mm. So for me, I'll be looking at a couple of things. Number one, it's the jobs data. So I'll be looking at your US inflation data, your non-farm payrolls. And I guess this will be, this will actually set the tone of what the Fed speech will be all about. I mean, they might, the FOMC meeting will be coming out on Thursday. And I think this is something which is closely 
looked out for because from the FOMC meeting in December, um, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has already said that they are not going to move rates for now and this could be a decision where potentially it could actually cut rates from here on but we'll see. So I'm looking at some of the inflation data. That that could be one big driver. Of, of course um, this morning I think it will be looking at Singapore's fourth quarter GDP I think for me as a local investor I do keep a track on how our own economy is looking so it if it has been published I'm going to shut off my laptop after this to actually look at the latest results here. All right. In addition to repositioning their portfolios and watching to see how other investors reposition theirs, I think investors will also keep a close eye on the U.S. labor markets this week as they track the latest wage and unemployment figures to see how the U.S. economy is doing. And whether or not that all pans out, the U.S. Federal Reserve, to what extent will it adjust interest rate forecasts for the year ahead? Time now for up or down. We just got a couple of minutes on the clock. Where does time go? Instead of corporate news, I thought this would be the crystal ball edition. Willie, I'm going to name an asset. <laughs> you pull out that crystal ball of yours and tell us whether you think it's going to go up or down in the year ahead. Best guess. Are you game to play? Let's get started, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at the US dollar, Willie. All right, US, US dollar, I think you would go up. And this, this is really because I think interest rates are going to stay elevated uh, as compared to you know the last 15 years where uh, interest rates have been close to zero, which means that the US dollar was also weakened against the Singapore dollar. But now I think that rates might actually stay at a much higher for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could also be driving the value of the dollar. Love that, love that. I'll offer a contrarian view. While the US dollar gained ground uh, against the yen last year, depreciated vis-a-vis other major currencies for the first time since 2020, and with U.S. interest rates set to fall in the year ahead, the greenback may become less attractive to international investors. All right, let's look at the price of oil. Yeah, I think the price of oil is going to come down. And I'm just going to take a limb on here because, I mean, if you have seen, um, you have heard of the Ukraine war which happened uh, over the last two years. You also mm-hmm. have the breakout of uh, Israel and Hamas. Um, that has sort of, uh, you know, impacted oil prices. But I think as uh, some of these um, macro situations sort of start to uh, wither down, you know, um, going forward, yeah. I think this could also sort of um, have the... The, the oil price sort of starting to also come down a bit. So this is my take on oil prices. I'd have to agree with you there. Oil prices have dropped more than 10% over the past year. Brent crude currently trading around 77 US dollars a barrel. West Texas crude sells for about 72 US dollars. Some analysts think oil could test the 90 US dollar mark this year amid tensions in the Middle East and Ukraine. Others argue that a lack of demand is going to keep oil prices lower. What about gold? Yeah, so gold, I'm going to be contrarian with the market. I mean, you can see how gold prices have you know hit record high. I'm going to be contrarian and I think it's actually going to turn because number one, you have high interest which, which could actually impact or put pressure on commercial US commercial offices and at the same time, the refinancing for companies. So I think this could um, impact how the economic outlook for the US economy and the global economy will be as well. So um, I think gold prices might actually come down from here. Yeah. Let's look at other commodity prices, Willie. Mm. So if let's say we, uh, we look at copper, uh, lithium, I think these are, these are 
prices, which I think will actually continue to go up. Number one, you have um, electric vehicles, which are actually one of the big drivers, I guess, for 2024. And especially if you see for um, China's BYD, they mm. recently came up to say that they have actually made um, over 500,000 uh, worth of electric vehicle sales um, in the last quarter. And they could overtake Tesla to be um, the top electric vehicle sales in China itself. So some of the inputs for batteries, for example, lithium, I think this could actually be a big driver or a big tailwind um, for a commodity like lithium. Yeah, I did talk to some copper and lithium companies recently. You can check those interviews um, on my Instagram at Michelle Martin Radio. Now, Willie, my next two questions are not up or down, more open-ended. Tell us what you think is going to be the best performing market or sector for 2024. Well, I want to say that I don't have a crystal ball, but actually I really <laughs> love... I. I really love to think about what's where where markets really are. And for me, the best performing market or the best performing sector is not going going to be in the big tech names or the Magnificent Seven. I am actually looking into really? companies which are looking at technology or making use of technology. So they could be in retail, but making use of technology, for example. So say, for example, Amazon, uh, which uses their Amazon Web Services, e-commerce, they are using AI to improve their inventories, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, this could one be one big driver. Um, another one could be your food company like Domino's Pizza, which many people think that they are food business or uh, F&B business. But in fact, they are they actually have a very strong e-commerce platform in the business itself. And, you know, they might not be as expensive as the Magnificent Seven because, number one, Domino's Pizza is, after all, a food company and company and investors are not as bullish or optimistic as food as compared to technology. So Domino's Pizza is probably one of them. Um, food sector, for example. Um, another one which I like and I think it has always been understated at least from the global market's point of view is probably healthcare and seeing how um, the global pandemic has sort of recovered I think a lot of companies they are starting to think about healthcare cost number one mm. um, they are starting to think about healthcare benefits for their employees so this is one one particular um, sector which I'm looking at and lastly yeah. of course as a local investor Singapore REITs that's something which I like As you look at the Straits Times Index starting off the new year what strikes you? Mm, so if you see for the SDI index, I am actually looking at some of the banks itself. You have DBS, uh, which opened higher at 0.3%. You have UOB, which is up 0.7%. And you have OCBC up 0.1%. I think on the back of uh, interest rates coming down. Um, and as, at the same time, also um, uh, markets are expecting them to actually sort of expand their loan growth or their asset book. Uh, you also have Citrium, which was up 1.7%. And Capital Corp, which is up 0.8% here. All right. Thank you so much. She's Willie Kang. I'm Michelle Martin. This is Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk. To listen to the full interview, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.